Okay, so last week we talked about, I think, a really big deal thing, and that is your resourceful agent concept, flagpole, sigil, if you're a Game of Thrones watcher. It literally is the house of Silvius, and your words are, be an agent, be resourceful, or something like that. And again, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, forgive me, but if you have, you know that every house in the uh, land of Westeros has their own slogan, their own motto. And in the case of the House of Silvius, it's be resourceful and be an agent or some variation thereof. Yeah. What does that mean, the resourceful agent, in your own words? I've got my own opinions, and I've already expressed some of them, but I want to hear from you, the horse's mouth. What does being a resourceful agent mean to you? Uh, It means finding answers and providing solutions even when you don't have them. Well, that was short and sweet. I was expecting another uh, five minutes. I can absolutely go deeper, but I think I've really tried to clarify our message in the brand. And I have two, technically two different brands, although they're tied to Resource Flagent. I have the Resource Flagent radio show, and that basically gave life to our team, which is Resource Flagent Realty, where we're basically, we're building a, a team of agents and helping them grow the same, same brand and understand the same style of business. A good brand name implies a promise. When I hear Resourceful Agent, it makes me think, okay, I bought a house from Mandy a couple of years ago. Our driveway blacktop is just peeling up and looking absolutely terrible. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I need new asphalt or if it's a sealant or whatever it is. I'm going to call you because you are a resource for me and say, Andy, you know my driveway? It's starting to look really bad. Can you help me with that? Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, I actually take a lot of pride in making sure that we have lists of contractors and business owners, basically connecting everyone. But the funny thing is I don't just hand them anyone. It's usually people that I've had experience with. And so I'm very relational about the people I connect with, whether you're a contractor or you're a plumber or a house cleaner, I want to make sure that they're going to do the best job. And so we usually try to hire them first. And then as soon as I know that I feel like they're going to do the great job, great job for the clients, then we recommend them. So your resourceful agent name isn't just a name to attract eyeballs. It's actually, what I suggested, a promise. We will be a resourceful agent for you. And you talked about it last week, even if we don't know anything about what you're asking for. Yeah. Can you give me an example of that in action? Yeah, you know what, Let's. Uh, there's so many different ones, but there's there's one that sticks out in my mind. I had a client who was moving down here from Alaska, moving down here to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, so Northern Idaho. And his income, he was self-employed. So that was already kind of tricky for him to get pre-qualified for a loan. And then the house he wanted to buy was an off-grid property that had no electricity. It had electricity, but it was all solar. And then it had a composting toilet. So something that virtually zero banks would lend on. And so we went through about 10, 11 different banks trying to ask questions, see if they would lend on it. And it got down to the point where it was like, nope, this looks like it's going to fall apart. And I just told him, he was really kind of upset because we were running out of properties. And so I just told him, give me half a day and then we would figure it out. So I started calling private money lenders to see if he came up with enough capital up front, if they would lend him a percentage of the deal 
and then allow him to get into the property. And I was able to actually find him one that was most hard money lenders are about 10 to 12%. And this was at like a 7%. And it was right at the beginning of COVID too. So we were also struggling with banks not lending on traditional properties. What I did though, is instead of saying, okay, well, this deal is going to fall apart. And I'm going to let this guy just be disappointed and have a bad experience and now have to go look for something else. I just said, I, instead of saying, we can't do this, I figured out how do, how do we do it? And I just, I mean, I don't know that it's anything special, but it's just something that for me, it was like, I wasn't willing to allow it to fall if I still had some more options I could figure out. Well, if you're me or I'm guessing some of the listeners of this podcast, yeah, it is something special. I literally, and I kid you not, this is the, okay, so uh, come with me back a number of years to the very first year that there was a new TV show on, the very first season of a TV show called Survivor. Okay, yep. now if you were alive back then, you know that Survivor literally broke the mold on what TV could be. A reality TV as we know it now did not exist prior to Survivor. It was a big, big deal. Everybody was watching it, and it was a very, very exciting show. My wife and I were looking for a new home up in the mountains of Colorado, and we had a realtor who had a tight family relationship, not only with my wife, but especially her mother, my mother-in-law. And this agent, it was up in the hills, so we were living in Denver. We had to go up into the, into the first cut of mountains to look at these homes. And one night she wanted to show us one of these uh, homes and she said, oh, but I have to be done by whatever the hour Survivor started airing because she started watching Survivor. Literally, the real estate agent was telling us we need to meet her schedule, not her meeting our schedule. Do you ever wonder why I have a bad taste in my mouth for real oh, realtors? And the thing is, we bought two houses through this realtor only because it wasn't my choice. It was my wife going, yeah, but, but she's a friend of our family. To which I say, and a really crappy friend of your family who does a really crappy job as a realtor. Yeah. I mean, talk about relying on a relationship to, to make that happen. But believe me, if I had anything to do with it, it would never happen again. So that is my baseline for what a realtor kind of works at in terms of delivery. Yeah. You have described something light years beyond that in terms of actually working to solve a really insolvable problem, but you found a solution. So I guess calling you a resourceful agent isn't just a descriptor. It's a promise. I did. I guess when I, when I created the brand, I never thought of it, thought it would be that deep. I did to a certain level, but it definitely does represent who we are as a company now. It's not just me. You know, we have five different agents working under our, uh, our team. And that's the message we try to teach everyone is that we don't, we don't just allow things to, you know, we don't want to have the client walk away with that kind of a representation of who we are. And do we do everything perfect every time? No, but we definitely try to get as creative as possible. That's really the key, okay? When people talk about branding, a lot of people think of branding nothing more than having a logo, consistent use of color, and typography. Making sure we always use the same type all the time. That is the barest minimum of branding. A brand is a promise so that 
you know, I'm a huge Apple fan, I think, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows. I love going to the Apple store because it's like going to a temple of technology and everything is so fantastic. Everything is thought through. And even the first time I went in with a what I thought was a broken laptop and went to the Genius Bar and I thought, oh man, they're going to charge me probably 125 bucks an hour to even look at this thing. And the guy looked at it, did ding, 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 got it working. And I'm like, thrilled and he and i say so what's that cost he goes oh no that that's free I'm like oh the you know the clouds parted yeah. the angels sang the the light of god shone down and i was <laughs> an apple fan created right there for the rest of my life now not everybody feels the same way but that's okay because a brand is not for everybody yeah. it's for everybody who suits the brand or who's the brand is actually right for them. So again, resourceful agent, you show up in a mud stained or, you know, a, a muddy F-150 and you pop out and you got a, a, a nice clean polo shirt. But if you're expecting to see a, a little purse dog and someone wearing Louboutin shoes and uh, a freshly blown out hairdo, you're going to be disappointed with Andy because he looks like he's more ready to go check out the deer stand than he is the backyard spa. I don't think I'd make it up here very long if I came out with a poodle in a bag and a blown out hairdo. <laughs> yeah. Well, but my point is you yeah. are your, you aren't fronting. You aren't pretending to be a Ford F-150 driver. You are one. You aren't pretending to be someone who doesn't feel comfortable in a suit. You don't. And let's face it, maybe there are some, I don't know, bankers who would look down their nose or lawyers who might look down their nose at you and go, you obviously don't have the taste level necessary to find the right home for me. I'm going to guess you'd say, yep, I don't. See you later. You're not for me. We live in a society where everything is so materialistic, right? We talked about this before. There's so much BS on YouTube. People are attracted to it, but once you really dive in deep, if you're following that for any period of time and you think it's going to bring you any results, you're going to be really disappointed. I've had friends that I have seen that have the Bentley in the driveway and the Cadillacs and all the cars, right? And sitting there and they, you're like, wow, are they really making a lot of money? And then you find out, no, they're so far up to their ears in debt that they're not doing anything good for anyone else. They're trying to look the part so that people think of them a certain way. More than likely, it's because they're insecure about something. Yeah, they're overcompensating. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. And I will have this on my tombstone when I die. Branding is not fronting. It's not about trying to appear a certain way. Branding is about being exactly who you are, what you do, and how you do it in a way that does not overpromise and underdeliver, but ideally overdelivers via right promising. I'm going to promise you this, but I'm always going to try to exceed that. You, yeah. I'll never go below it. I used to refer to that as autopilot. It's like uh, on your worst day, you set your autopilot and go, you know what? I'm kind of wiped out, but I've got an autopilot level of performance and I'm going to do that. And I will not dip below that autopilot level. Well, guess yeah. what? When you set your autopilot level higher than the vast majority of your competitors, everyone's going to be delighted. I mean, have you ever 
had a situation where you were showing a home to a family or whatever, and you go, ah, it's not exactly perfect. You know, I would like to find something better. And you show it to them and they are delighted. They're like, oh my God, you found the perfect place for us. But, and you keep your mouth shut, but in the back of your head, you're going, yeah, but I, I know I can find better. I know I can do better. Yeah. Yes, I have had that situation, but at the same time, what I've learned is not to interject my opinion because what I think would be better for them may not be. And so I'm not pushy when it comes to people buying homes. It's like, you're going to be the one who has to live here. You're going to be the one when you walk up to the front door, if you're excited, and this feels right to you. That is for you to choose, not for me to say whether it's good or not. And I think in the beginning it was tough because I'd see homes where I'm like, yeah, this needs a lot of work. The neighborhood's not great. Like I definitely think for the price, you'd probably be able to find a nicer one in another area. And sometimes I was surprised how that would kind of turn some clients off. And so I might mention, hey, what I'll do is I'll send a few other properties that I might think are better and just say, hey, what do you guys think about these? And if they are, they're like, no, no, we love this. Cool. That's awesome. That's one of the things I work with a lot of younger creative people. And when we present concepts to clients or deciders, Let's put it that way. The deciders. Yeah. I always walk in and before we go present, I'll say, we know we would like this work to be better than it is. We say nothing about that. We wait till they decide whether this work is good enough or more satisfactory or whatever. Yeah. Because just because we want to do absolutely better, keep in mind, we've got that autopilot level. We've already exceeded our autopilot. We would love it to be award-winning. We didn't have the time, the budget, the whatever. Don't assume that your, this could be better, is not trumped by their, oh my God, this is fantastic. Yeah, because then you're interjecting your own limiting beliefs or opinions and perspectives into things, and, and that not that might not be how they perceive it. And, and I've found that if I try to say, hey, I really think this might be better. If I push it too far, they feel like I'm being pushy. And now I'm outside of what my values are to help them. Right. And, and the whole thing is the goal. I'm sure you feel the same way. The goal is to lead them toward better. But if they don't want to get there, it's ultimately on for them. You know, yep. so you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And the key is that you just give them exactly what they're wanting. So, yeah. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. You've said that you've curated, I'm going to use the word curated, a list of tradespeople, of resources, of services and products and retailers, distributors, etc. that you have on hand always to refer to if someone comes to you asking for a specific service or resource. 
Yeah. Are you constantly on the lookout for other people? Like, let's say that, let's say you go to a brand new coffee shop and find out that, oh my God, they have the best baked goods in town. Do you add them to your list as a reference? Yeah. So, I mean, specifically around coffee, I don't know. I'm not really a coffee drinker, but I do have some coffee shop connections in town. But let's take, um, that's kind of a tough one for me because I'm super relational. So when I build a relationship with someone, I'm very loyal and I want to help build their business as long as they're still aligned with helping my client the same way. If their level of service drops, then I am 100% okay with separating that or maybe kind of expanding who I am going to refer. But it happens all the time. Let's take like lenders, for example. I know I have a very good lender that I'm going to set up with a client. I, I know that they're a good lender because I've done plenty of deals with them. I trust them. I know their fees and everything and their quality of service is going to exceed the client's expectations. I have lenders reach out to me all the time. And so they want my business and I'm just not really open. They may have cheaper fees. They may have certain things, but it's very hard for people to get in with me once I have already let others in. Because unless that other person breaks that relationship, it's very hard for me to drop them off to go try to use someone else. So loyalty is a big thing when it comes to the brand that is Andy Silvius. Yeah, because let's say, let's say you're my preferred lender that I use for clients. And you and I have built this relationship back and forth where we now have trust between each other. And I can call you and we know we're on the same page every time we do a deal. If you find out that I just left and went and handed other buyers to these other people, you're probably going to have a little bit less trust in me, and which is going to create uh, not the best scenario for the client who's in the middle of, of all of it. So what I'm hearing is that, yes, relationship can trump low price or some other shiny object beneficial thing because in your case the relationships you have ensure the relationships you have with your clients which ideally are relationships that last years not just transactions yeah exactly i want to be able to talk you know to these people down the road and then tell me that they had a great experience in their home buying process and that's We've been in the position where we have not had that, right? There's a, there's a lot of factors, I think, in why I do the things I do or have the idea around the brand. But some of them are at a very basic level. Of we've had just really crappy agents that we've worked with just like you did. So how do we do better than those people? Yeah. Tell me about the Resourceful Agent podcast. Obviously, I've been on it as a guest, but I haven't listened to the entire, how many episodes? 90 episodes or something like that? We are, we're somewhere in the ballpark of 89 or 90. I'm always off by one, one or two. What type of guests do you typically have on? I started with only local entrepreneurs and business owners. So that's the, the people that got my show rolling. As it grew, I started expanding into uh, different states and different countries. I've had guests on from anywhere from Australia, Iraq, Portugal, Mexico, Canada. I've talked to a lot of people. And the reason I started branching out and making sure that I wanted to be into different countries is I wanted to get perspectives on business and how they, what their perspectives were around business and relationships in different cultures and different environments. The, the guy from Iraq, I was blown away just talking to the guy. He was super successful and he did it with all the odds against him in a country that doesn't have a lot of opportunities. And it's something as simple as using PayPal that we take advantage of, right? You think, People think, oh, well, everyone just must have access to that. But he didn't. And he created a whole like meal planning around fitness and all that stuff in, in a country where 
he had to figure out how is he going to get paid for that? He's not able to sell those services outside. So just taking perspectives outside of our culture, because I think as a, as a society, we're very closed off to thinking that we are the best at everything we do and that everyone else is below us. And there's a lot of people who have gone through more struggle and created more success in their life than the majority of people here in the U S it's funny you bring that up because I'm working with a, a company right now and we are talking about their brand values and they've done all the heavy duty industrial strength brand work. You know, they've got the 75 page brand book. They've got everything thought about down to the DNA level and all that stuff. And one of their words is humble. Yeah. And I'm like, when I was talking to them, I'm like, give me an example of what you mean by humble. And they used, this is a company that has a lot of high technology, has a lot of PhDs, has a lot of really skilled uh, technicians and scientists and stuff like that involved with them. And they, they gave me an example and they said, some PhDs, the ones who PhD stands for piled higher and deeper, they have this big ego, this massive head and part of it's because they do have a, a massive intellectual capability, but a lot of it's due to a, a massive uh, personality, I would call it defect, uh, narcissism or some variant yeah. thereof. How they and, identify them to right, themselves. Exactly. And they said, we always, when we look to hire, look to hire PhD level people, you know, people who could be nominated at some point in their career for the Nobel Prize and whatever their subspecialty is. But we always look for humility within them, you know, and it's an important point. So, and, and I said, so you're telling me you aren't just hiring the very best. You're trying to find the very best who also happens to have a layer or a, a core feeling of humility about themselves and society and everything else. And they go, exactly. Because those are the people that make our brand be exactly what we're talking about. Humble. Yeah. I'm like, that, that kind of blew my mind. But then it made sense because I've worked places where it's, especially sometimes you get a toxic salesperson where they are fantastic at selling selling transactions they'll do anything to get you in that used car that day but they are absolutely toxic people who treat the the people doing the paperwork like crap all that stuff and i've worked at places where that person is lauded as the best person the best salesperson every quarter for you know till the heat death of the universe and I've worked at places where that person suddenly was let go on a Friday, even though everyone knew they were sold more than anybody else. It's that latter company that is the one that I find most interesting because they're literally saying, we would rather sell less than sell the way that you're selling. Well, yeah, because you just, you basically put a whole stigma on your brand and your company and people don't want to come back to that. I mean, I always use a used car salesman as examples. We've all been at a car lot and we have the person who chases us down. And I had, I, there's one that sticks out in my mind that we probably would have bought the car if they would have left the original salesperson in his office. But instead they thought that they'd bring in the high pressure manager to come in and every couple seconds put his hand in my face and say, all right, we got a deal. Until finally I just said, no, we don't have a deal. And we walked out and they were mad. 
he was mad. If they would have left it alone, I probably would have stuck with the other guy. Yeah. That's why, you know, we, where we buy our vehicles now, I wasn't treated like that. And I am particular to go back to that same person because I know that every single time I'm going to get that same level of service. Because if you have a salesperson come treat me that way, I don't care if the one I've worked with has been good. If they put me in line with another person that doesn't align with that, I just won't come back to the dealership ever again. I'll go somewhere else. To quote the Jackson 5, one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch, girl. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. Consequently, to protect your brand, you have to know who you are, what you do, and how you do it, and what you stand for. And as you grow, I mean, obviously, Andy, you've got multiple agents working with you now. They could absolutely become a bad apple unless you made sure that they were ripe and fresh the very day that you started working with them. So I'm sure, I'm guessing that you keep a, a pretty tight eye on everything regarding that. Yeah. You know just how fragile a brand is. Yeah, and we do. And I think sometimes it can come across as micromanaging. And I also don't have a lot of, I just don't have a lot of patience or grace for excuses. So I can be kind of tough to work with sometimes, but we've also been doing a lot of training. So my wife is our operations manager and, and also my, my business partner and owning the team. Uh, we've been doing training on how to hire people because we did want to make sure that we've vetted people the proper way. And we have probably the most lengthy interview process I've ever seen. I mean, before you get in the door with us, you've got to have, there's at least four one hour plus interviews and you have to meet with our team to make sure the team likes you too. You go through all these checkpoints. You don't know there's all these checkpoints, but you're going to have to go through these checkpoints. And if you, you know, we can stop it at any point because they don't know that there might be three or four more interviews. And that's just how we vet people before they come on. I want to make sure they're a good culture fit, not only for us and our clients, but also for the team. If it creates a bad work environment for them, then they're not worth having on. You got to do that to protect the most valuable asset you have, which is your brand, whether it's a personal brand or a small business brand, or in the case of Andy Silvius and Resourceful Agent Realty, the brand is everything, because otherwise, you're just a commodity. And remember, commodities are always bought for the lowest possible price, but brands command a premium. Anyway, it's been such a pleasure to talk to Andy Silvius again. What is the name of your podcast and where can we find it? So the name of my podcast is Resourceful Agent Radio Show, and it is on YouTube at Resourceful Agent or just about any audio platform, but the, the two biggest ones, iTunes and Spotify. Uh, just type in uh, Resourceful Agent Radio Show. And if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, where could they do that? They can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, just about every social platform. Just type in at Resourceful Agent. Or if you wanted to find everything about us, just go to Google and just type in Andy Silvius. And Silvius is spelled S-I-L-V-I-U-S. You're located in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So that's another pin on my map because I haven't talked to anybody in Idaho on this podcast yet. But I'm thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much, Andy. And I'd like to remind everybody to like, subscribe, refer, and review this podcast because that helps other people find it. I'm DP Knuton for the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, and he is... Andy Silvius with the Resourceful Agent. And I'll be talking at you guys again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>